Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad because with Chime Checking Account, Features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts. Or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Hip-hop is about that language, you know? And look what we took in jazz and everything we did, that's what we do. We take what has been pushed out of us and then we translate it into a way where we can market it for ourselves, you know? And that's what I tell young people coming up today. I do not dictate fashion. I translate culture. My graduates from my school being Forbes, bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> A mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. I need you guys to make some noise for Troy and Rashad. Make some noise for Earn Your Leisure. What's up? Wait, we, What's in, up? The, we in New York, right? Y'all gotta make more noise than that. What up, y'all? Right, let, oh. Let's set the mood right. Let's set the mood right. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I love to see this, man. Make some noise for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, so when we did this, we wanted to do something special. And we did 
We did Miami. We did our Basel. We yes. did South by Southwest. Crushed it. Shout out to Allies. Shout out to United Masters. But we're from New York, so this means more to us than anything to do something in Fashion Week. Legendary. Of course, if you follow us, you already know the fashion journey, the drip journey. So we got we got some surprises for you guys. We about to get this show really, really turned up. So anytime that we speak to anybody, it's always a legendary conversation. That's a fact. Biggest ever. Yes. Of course. The rumors have been confirmed. Yes, 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 yes. So when we had this conversation and we figured who we wanted to talk to, there was only really one person that was at the top of our list. Yeah, if we're going to do fashion and we're going to do New York and we're going to keep it hip-hop and we're going to keep it business and finance... There's not many people who can fit all those criterias, but I think I think we might have nailed it. I think we might have nailed it. Yeah. So I I need everybody to pay close attention because this is a very important person. So if you look at the history of hip hop, hip hop has always been about fashion since the beginning. And there's been one person that's actually curated over three decades of fashion and has really been the forefather <laughs> of what we know now today. So without further ado, we're going to bring out the legendary Dapper Dan. Dapper Dan, y'all. Yo, I was telling them backstage, they're not playing fair. <laughs> they told me when I came here, it was going to be only one Dapper Dan. <laughs> now there's three. <laughs> I hope you heard that. Look how they laid out. So I, how y'all so, doing? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to reach you people. Hey, listen, everybody. This is your man, Steve Harvey. My partner's over at Earn Your Leisure. They are kicking off their first Invest Fest World Tour on October 31st. I got my gun on me. I'm with the killies. I got my gang on the hump for the spinach. You say it up and I've come for the finish. It will be. Get a load of this at the Royal Albert Hall in London, England. This year's speakers list include Earn Your Leisure, Terrence J, Wall Street Trapper, Eon Dunlap, My Business Development Director, Tabidi Stevens, 19 Keys, and many, many more. Get your tickets before they are gone at investfesturo.com. Dapper Dan, my brother, how are you? Man, I'm great. I'm great, man. To be yes, here, yes. man, and to watch this culture and see how the culture came about, man, and to be, be able to speak to you young brothers and get messages out, I'm very happy, man. Nah, for sure. We so, appreciate you being here, man. What are your views on ownership? We talk about black brands. We talk about ownership. Of course, Kanye's going through what he's going through right now. This is Fashion Week, so we celebrate fashion, but we're into business, and business fashion is a business. So what's your views on ownership, specifically black ownership, when it comes to the fashion world? Ownership is important, very important, and um, the most important thing about ownership, because we cannot own everything that we need, to reach the, to to be global but the important thing is to own our name you know and in the future i'm hoping that we get big enough that we can be global by ourselves but right now presently the most important thing is to not the reason why i never came out before is because i didn't want to give up my name you know 
I just wanted to franchise my name out for a while, but never given up. So right now in the state of where we are, I think ownership means owning your brand and who you are and being able to take that brand and collaborate with different other brands. So ownership me, to me now is having the bargaining chips on your brand. Yeah, one, one of the things, and we're, we're products of it, so it, it means a lot for you saying that there's three Dapper Dan's up here. Growing up in the 80s, watching KRS-One and BDP, watching Rakim, watching LL, obviously watching the Salt and Pepper videos, huge inspiration. Can you talk to us about symbolism? Right, because one of the things you said was like, all right, those brands are luxury, but they're not doing it the way we want. Let me take what they're doing and mix it with our culture. Can you talk about the power of symbolism? Yes, oh. When I changed my life, like, um, in accepting the spiritual side of myself, I realized I had an identity problem. And so, because I had an identity problem, I used to study a lot. You know, I wanted to know the essence of truth. My family was all in the nation at this time, and um, I was indoctrinated in the nation. All my foundation came for that, but I wanted to know the ultimate truth. And so in search of the ultimate truth, I left here. You know, I walked away from the street, left here, and went to Africa and started researching, living. I never lived in hotels, you know. I just lived in with the people. And my journey was about finding the essence of what religions is about. And, when, and in my study and what I found out that all the religions goes back to a symbol. And so I needed to know what that symbol was. And then when I started studying masonry, I said, oh, here it is. This is how it all re evolved. So when I came back, I did a lot of reading. But I said, now I need to be able to take care of myself. So I opened up the store to sell clothes and everything. And a gangster, one of the gangsters that knew me from my hood, he came into the store and he had a, a pouch. You know what? No bigger than that. I'm fanny pack. And he had nothing but $100 bills in it. And he was, in fact, his name was Jack Jackson. Jack Jackson is the one who was the, you, if you study the history of Harlem, he is the uh, last one to control strokes in Harlem before, under the Italians in East Harlem. But anyway, Jack Jackson came in there and he had all these $100 bills and all the customers in my store was excited about that. And they saw the bag. I said, why are they excited about this bag? What is it about this bag? I said, that was a Louis Vuitton bag. I said, but that $5 worth of vinyl. <laughs> right? And then it hit me. It's the symbols. I said, it's the symbols. I said, now, if I can get them walking around looking like them symbols, like luggage. Now, prior to that, I was selling minks, furs, you know alligators, all those exotic stuff. I say, but if I could teach myself textile printing and print that on leather, I can get the same, more amount of revenue than I was getting from the more items. And so that's what made me understand the power of symbols and, and, and how in turn that that was infiltrating the whole consumer market. And so that's why I started. I say, well, I'm gonna take these symbols and use them on them the way they was trying to use them on me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, that really started the, the crave or the sensation of logo mania. Yeah. And so a lot of people maybe not from that generation because they, they, they've grown up, they've seen it all throughout their lives. You really started that. Can you tell them what logo mania is? Logo mania is an idea like, you know, uh, young guys come in there and if they're happy with one Ralph Lauren pony, 
I said, hold up, if they're happy with one mile of a little pony and they only getting them suits in, in gray and blue and black, I say, we're people of color. I say, I'm gonna give them all the ponies in the world <laughs> and all the colors in the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I did that with every brand, you know, and that's what we do with music So I don't know why it was so complicated for them to figure it out, you know, so I took it I mean none of us as slaves. We didn't come in speaking this language, but look what we did with it Hip-hop is about that language, you know, and look what we took in jazz and everything we did. That's what we do We take what we was been pushed out of us and then we translate it into a way where we can market it for ourselves You know, and that's what I tell young people coming up today. I do not dictate fashion, I translate culture. Big ball. So, Major ball. <laughs> so, so, so let me, let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> what they want you to say it again. This is for y'all, young. I don't. I mean, that's my heart. I do not dictate fashion. I translate culture. Let me give you an example, right? I'm going to give you an example. Yeah, that's look, look. <laughs> so, BDP come to the, to the shop. They say, Dad, I need for you to, to hook me up. I need for you to hook me up, Dad. I say, okay, what's your lyrics? Let me hear your lyrics. Okay, what's your steezer? What do, I mean, what you trying to represent? You say, we rapping this, this, this Jamaican stuff, right? I say, okay. Now I'm gonna make you some roster looking stuff. So I use I use all the every all the elements, you know, the colors from the rosters and everything, right? That's BDP. The next one, Tom, is uh, Jungle Brothers. Jungle Brothers say, man, I'm on that liberation thing. I'm about liberation, Dap. Make me look, you know, bring it like that for me. So I made all their outfits up in the red, green, and black. The power move. You understand what I'm saying? Eric B and Rock Kim come. Eric B said, I'm a swag man. He said, I'm a swag man. Give me all them G's. Give me that gold. Give me that, you see, look at the outfits. You know, deck me out like that. Rock him said, you, Dap, you know, I'm on that smooth tip, man. I'm, you know, I'm here to serve, man. You know, I'm a part of the movement, man. You understand? I'm not with the deaf, dumb, and blind, man. You know what I want on the back of mine. You know what I'm saying? So when you look on the back of Rock, uh, Eric B, I mean Rock Kim's, you know, you see the symbol representing who he is. So that's what, that's what translating culture is. You know what I'm saying? You translate culture based on where people want to go. You don't tell them where to go because when you tell them where to go, you kill who we are. You follow what I'm saying? Then it stops. That's like what the what them brands do, you know, them music companies do. No, we want you to rap like this. We want you to rap like this. And next thing you know, you rap dead. Yeah. You know? So that's what I call translating culture. Round of applause. Told you, man, we only we only bring the fireworks. <laughs> so you talked about your trip to Africa. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Listen to the new Audible original, Direct Deposit, What Happens When Black People Get Rich, hosted by Chad Sanders, the author of Black Magic, What Black Leaders Learn from Trauma and Triumph, and TV writer of Rap Shit. Direct Deposit explores what it takes to get rich and stay rich while black in America. For young black entrepreneurs, Direct Deposit seeks to answer the questions, what's money going to do for me? What's money going to do to me? Chad went from sleeping on a mattress on the floor in a cramped apartment 
to nearly overnight success after Spike Lee signed on to develop one of his scripts. After becoming more and more successful, Chad has realized that his bank account might change, but the struggle remains. Chad speaks to prominent black figures in American pop culture like Issa Rae, Gabrielle Union, and Soledad O'Brien. Visit audible.com slash direct deposit to listen now. When you went to Africa, you was talking about uh, the difference between Idi Amin and like Nelson Mandela. I'm relating this to even when you was working with Gucci and a lot of people might have criticized that, but talk about having to learn the, the power structure from the inside to actually make it work. Great point, and I'm, and I'm happy to talk about that. Right, uh, first let's talk about why I went to Africa. Um, I was in the street, terrible man, you know, living terrible. And then at um, 23 I said, man, I'm going back to school, man, I can't take this. And I walked away from the street and went back to school. So I was writing for a, a radical newspaper called 40 Acres and a Mule. And we was about raising up the culture and, and it was very revolutionary. So um, we used to have black scholars coming in all the time talking to us. I knew I had an identity crisis, but I didn't know exactly what it was. So one day Dr. Henry Clark came to the, and, and talked to the, uh, all of us that was on the editorial board. And Dr. Henry Clark, one of, one of the brothers, young brothers like myself, asked Dr. Henry Clark, he said, if we're the original people on the planet, why are we going through what we're going through today? And Dr. Henry Clark said, that's because of a transgression we made against ourselves before Europeans came into our life. And that shook me, you know what I'm saying? Because I had studied like up from slavery before the Mayflower and all that, but I didn't go back to where all this started, right? So I, f I figured out my identity crisis came when it hit me in Africa, right? Um, I was associating everything that went wrong with my life with the 400 years we were here. You saw? So when I, when I got to Africa, and uh, I touched down in Ghana on a seven-day mission, right? And the beautiful thing about it, I had already caught all the hell that America could give you, and all the hell that ghetto can give itself. So when I'm over there, I'm open, right? So I get over there, and I ask this African guy, I say, um, do you think every day about being black? He said, man, I don't never think about being black. He said, I never think about that. I'm going to you. You know, I think about being a Kukuyu. I say, wow, it's deep right here, right? And then I think about every time I'm in New York or wherever I am, I'm going in the subway. Whenever I see somebody who ain't like me, that's automatically on my consciousness. So I needed to know why that. So when I went to Africa, I stayed. Uh, I was in Ghana when they just recently disposed of Kwame Nkrumah, Pan-Africanism. So I'm in Tanzania when President Nyeri is there. I'm in Kenya when Jomo Kenyatta is there. I'm, uh, and I'm staying at Kurosini International School where they're training young black people from South Africa to fight in South Africa. So I'm exposed to all this. So I'm taking a look at uh, what's happening. But now, I'm seeing the conflict with Idi Amin and what was what happening there. I say, wow. So maybe this is what uh, Dr. Henry Clark was talking about. So I bear witness to the way they was approaching it. Now, if you, if you know anything about African history, you know that Kenya had Kikuyu and the Luau, you know, and it was friction. Now, when my plane touched down in Lagos, Nigeria, I could, we couldn't even get off the plane 
because the Biafran, the Muslims, and the Christian black people were fighting. So I said, oh, that's what Dr. Henry Clark was talking about. All right, but I don't want to take, go too far off the narrative. So when I'm over there like that, I say, well, what are they doing about the Europeans? Then I said, President Nehari got the Chinese busy on the road. You know what I'm saying? He got the United States building a railroad. I said, he playing these Europeans. So the object, and, 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 and Jomo Kenyatta, and Nieri, all of them was doing the thing. So they know that they are conquered people, but they also know that they need technology and innovation, and they have to get it from where it is. So that's equivalent to what I used when I went to fashion. I said, I got to get inside. You follow what I'm saying? I got to get inside. I got to be able to access innovation by which I can grow. You follow what I'm saying? And this is one of the controversies that I had to confront. If you tell somebody, look, people want to see you on your own. They want to see you be that but then. And like I told you backstage, if I'd have came out 20 years or 25 years ago and been that but then, they'd have knocked me right out the market. I wouldn't be able to compete globally. So they took, which they did, took all my ideas and took them global. So the object for me, I felt, was that I got to figure out how to be global. So until then, I stay on the ground. And all that changed with black Twitter. All that changed with black Twitter. I had no voice. I'm sitting here, you know, old head, still hustling hard, ain't giving up. And I see them hustling me, you know, 2000, I saw Tom Ford with walking the runway with my creation. I say, damn, you know, I say, damn. And then all of a sudden, social media pop, you know, and I say, I heard people saying, no, Dapper Dan did that first. I, I said, damn, I got a voice. I said, damn, I got a voice. So they had to come to me then. You know, they had to come see me then, because y'all wasn't having it in any other way. Mm -hmm. the, the, the reason they had to come see you is, is like what you said, you translate in culture. And so can you talk about the importance of involving culture and what you're doing? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs here. I'm sure some people, are in, some people are in design. Can you talk about the importance of incorporating culture and what you're doing? Okay, one of the big things that uh, I like the young people to say is like, when the reason you hear me say, um, I don't dictate fashion, I translate culture, that's very important, you know? And that's the lesson I learned from growing up in Harlem, real poor swimming in the Harlem River. One thing that I noticed about when I was swimming in the Harlem River, we had the Harlem River, like you see this here? You see that, you got a platform, you can come out, and then over there you can dive in the Harlem River, right? But before we dive in the Harlem River, we had to throw a little popsicle in to see which way the current was going. You know, so if we dive in, if we dive in over here, we want to be able so we can walk out of that river. You know, we was poor, we was swimming in our drawers and all of that, right? So, and I said, damn. Later on, I say, I realized what, what we did. You know what I'm saying? I said, the Harlem River is always there, but it's always moving. All you got to do is understand the current. Right? So I said, that's how the culture is. You understand? You got to understand our culture. We are always going to be here, but our culture is going to be always moving. You have to know how to navigate that culture. Jump in, walk out, jump back in, and you know where to walk back out. 
Do you, do you understand? So here's a problem with younger people today. Don't get hung up on yourself. That's what I'm saying. Don't get young designers come to me all the time. They say, oh man, oh, I got this crazy idea, crazy idea. I say, listen, let me see so. First thing you got to do is say, first question, come on. Why is somebody going to buy something from me? That's the first question. I don't care what you, 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 you your best salesman to yourself. You, Cause you don't sold yourself on who you are. You follow what I'm saying? So you say, oh, why somebody won't buy something from me? Then after you say that to yourself, the next thing you say is, how can I get them to buy something? How can I give them a reason to buy something from myself? You know what I'm saying? And I figured that out. You know what I did? I said, the same way I did Eric B, Rock, Kim, and all of them, I said, I'm going to collaborate. Everybody who walks through my door, I ask them how they feel, how they want to look. You know? People want to know where my longevity come from. My longevity come from you and you and you. When you walk through my door, I, we collaborating on you. That's your idea, me and your idea, me and your idea, me and your idea. So all that there is the current keep moving, and I'm keeping tapping into the music, into the current. But when you come up with them brands, and you got everybody looking alike, nobody got say-so in how they look, they die. The brands die. So what I'm telling you and I'm telling everybody, man, don't get caught up in yourself. We all creative, man. We all creative, but go outside, tap into the culture, blend that with who you are, man. Don't get hung up with your ideas, man. You feel what I'm saying? So you said something to us backstage about, I was saying that, you know, most what they call urban brands die within a couple of years. Like, you know, we have FUBU had like, you know, a five-year run, let's say, Kalkanak, five-year run, or Rockaware, or Sean John, where Ralph Lauren has 30-year run, or Gap has 30-year run, and Nordica has 25-year run, but you said that black designers die on the shelves. Then you gave the Macy's analogy. With, can yeah. you talk about that? Yeah, black designers die on the shelf. Let me tell you what happens, right? All the big brands that you name have places where they can do clothes out, right? Y'all, all y'all, a lot of y'all know went to them places where they do clothes out. So the why we, like, when I went underground, when they forced me underground, I had to travel from city to city. So I would leave from Harlem and travel, get on the road, hit all the black cities, going to Chicago, come back, load up, hit all the black cities, going to Atlanta, you know? Because I knew all the gangsters in these cities who used to shop with me. And when I get to these cities, I see these fly black stores. I say, damn, man, this joint is fly. Y'all got a gun. But the problem with them is that you know what we want. Number one, you have to be able to get it. You know, and in all these stores, none of them had Nike and black people wanted Nike. That's the first problem, right? And the second problem is if you're lucky enough to get goods that we want and you stock your store, you can't kick that back. Macy's and all them big places, they have closeout houses. You know what I'm saying? Macy's gonna never go out of business because you put your stuff in Macy's, it don't sell. Macy's give it back. When you got a black business, you can't give it back. You gotta eat it. You know what I'm saying? So that's why so many stores close down, you know, and go broke because we gotta eat everything. So if you got one hot item, you know what I'm saying, but you got all these shelves full of goods, that don't compensate for what your bills are gonna be. And so that's why a lot of black businesses went broke. That's important. <laughs> a lot of people don't even realize that. But you, you talked about being underground. Obviously, if they haven't heard your story, you know, 1992, the fight happens, Mike Tyson, 
uh, Sotomayor gets involved. But in 2017, because you talked about black media, black Twitter, and you talked about the power of social media, they tried it. They tried to copy one of your designs, right? And so it was the Louis Vuitton puffer, uh, and everybody said, like most of the five people in this room, like, yo, that's Dap's design, Dap's design. I want to know what that was like for you, right? Seeing people champion you after being underground for so long, but seeing a whole nother generation championing you and the impact that it had on you in that moment. You know, one thing I love about black people, they anxious to get as black as they can, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, they right here. <laughs> You give black folks a chance to be black, here they come. <laughs> black and then black. Black, uh, you know, black children say, no, no. No, you ain't. Mm. We know where that come from. <laughs> no, we know where that come from. Now, y'all want this hell? Y'all want this problem? We gonna give y'all this problem, right? And, but let me tell you, let me tell you something strange about this, man. Because, you know, the mother folks, it don't take them long for them to catch on, right? So dig this. And I shouldn't be divulging this, but hell with everybody. Anyway, <laughs> dig what they tell me. They were completely honest about this. What you did, Dapper Dan, has never happened before and will never happen again. Now, what does that mean? They woke up to the move. They say, okay, Black Twitter did this. How can we contain them? How can we contain, because that's what they got to do now. How can we contain Black Twitter? Well, now we got to open up them doors. You understand? We got to open up them doors, right? So you see me on Breakfast Club, we got them. <laughs> I thought y'all was gonna be happy. We got them. I'm telling y'all, black. I tell them, we got them. I'm telling y'all, ain't nobody getting it. I'm saying we got them. They got to let us in. You hear what I'm saying? You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. the, going back to Africa, what I'm talking about? We got them. They got to let us in. We got an opportunity to get in the door and learn how this is done, and so we can move our products around the world the same way they move their products around the world. We got them. And y'all said, uh-uh. What do you mean, uh-uh? No, we ain't buying from them no more. I said, shh, you ain't buying anyway. <laughs> shh, you're not buying anyway. We only three to five percent of luxury goods. Three to five percent. I ain't talking about goods across the board because we spend billions. But I'm talking about Dapper Dan is in the luxury goods. We three to five percent, right? But we are 95 percent of the influence of people in the world who want to look like us and dress like us and walk and talk like us. You know, so it's the influences that make the difference. Okay, so I said, let's take advantage of this moment. Let's get inside so we can do this ourselves. But everybody got upset, man, even people coming out, I said, you, I said, you ain't buying either? You ain't buying anyway, man. You know, come on, I saw you down at that bootleg joint when I was walking by. <laughs> come on, I know the real deal now. <laughs> I know how many of y'all faking it, and, you know. <laughs> so, so, but that was the big problem, right? Everybody in here and all the people of color need to ask themselves, do, are we going to be inside and change things, or are we going to walk away every time we, somebody disrespect us? 
that's what you got to ask yourself. And my answer is, let's get inside and change this. You know? So that's what that's about. So let me ask you about this, because I know that you have a, um, a dope collaboration with Gap. Uh, con congratulations on that. Um, but there's, a, there's another fashion icon, cultural icon, uh, one of the most important people in our culture, yes. Kanye West. And he's, um, he's in a major fight right now with, with Gap and Adidas. I know a lot's going on. They said Adidas offered him a billion dollars. They stole his ideas, different things of that nature. He's been very vocal for a long time about fashion and about the trials and tribulations of trying to break through in fashion. What, what are your thoughts on his current situation and what are your thoughts on some of the things that he said before? Okay, this is going to be a two-part answer because a lot of people in here don't, don't really know about me. They don't know about my revolutionary past, my spiritual journey, they don't, me going to Africa. They don't know about all of that there. So I'd like to take the opportunity to, to explain. So I'm going to address that part, but I'm going to address the uh, first part. And the first part is this. I, am, I did not get into the fashion game to dress bodies. Because I used to write for 40 Acres and a Mule. You got to go back and see all the articles I wrote or read my book. I did not get into the fashion game to dress bodies. I'm into the fashion game to dress young minds. You found something to let them know what what this is all about and that was the vehicle that I use that's the first part and now in terms of gap I say wow now I'm doing luxury right and I know all the people so I take the train every day the bus and everybody in Harlem know they see me walking around Harlem I'm standing on the corners and everybody everybody knows I'm greeting everybody and um, the reason I'm doing that is because I know they can't afford what I'm doing with Gucci right because it's all exclusive it's high end right but I say, they can afford me. And this is the big part of like being a brand. Being a brand, you gotta be a part of the people who made you that brand. So I make sure that I, I, I'm engaged, right? So that's the first part. So I said, damn, now Gap wanna do something with me. That gives me the opportunity for them to wear me, to have a part of me, right? So I say, I'm gonna do this. But it has another focus. I wanted to destigmatize the hoodie. Every time they see a person of color with a hoodie, they automatically categorize him, oh, this is a thug, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to do this hoodie thing, but I'm going to do it in a way it never been done before. So when you see David Dan put on the hoodie, I, I throw a silk scarf around my neck where I ask God. So I raised the bar. Do you understand? So that we can have an up and down. They can't stigmatize us. That's part one. And part two, I say, just give me an opportunity so everybody can wear. Right? Now, what the difference between my journey and Kanye's journey, my journey is from zero to trying to be a hero, but Kanye was already a hero. He already had power. And when you have power, you know, the more power you, you have, the uh, bigger sacrifice that you could make in using that power. Now, I think Kanye was on the, he was on the right path to doing everything you do here, though. He had uh, the following, you know, he had, he knows style and everything, but uh, the missing element was like, I need a team, I need somebody inside who understands how this goes, you know? It's just him against them. Earn Your Leisure is supported by First Republic Bank. You've worked hard, and now it's paying off. That's why it's time to start working with a financial partner who will always have your back. With First Republic Bank, you get a personal banker who's ready to sit down, listen, and provide the answers you need, no matter how complex your questions are. 
Whether you're interested in residential lending or curious about other banking products, you can reach out to your own personal banker by phone or email or visit in person. It's all a part of First Republic's commitment to delivering extraordinary service every time. To learn more about their extraordinary service, visit firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You know, I think Kanye's problem is we weren't at the stage where we where he had that inside support that he needed, you know, to, to follow through on the things he did. So, you know, he lost a lot of money, you know. And you got to give Kanye credit because if I said the things he was saying now, you know, they would try to destroy me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you talked about being on the inside. And I know part of that 2017 collaboration with Gucci, they made you a board member of the Change Makers Program for North America. Can you talk about what that is and some of the things that you were responsible for in doing in, in, in that role? Yeah, and good, I'm glad you asked me that because this is a follow-up to the earlier question, right? Uh, what Gucci did with the Change Makers Program need to be like, people need to applaud it. I'm gonna tell you why. Because they saw that they needed to put money in, into programs, they needed to open doors, and they went across the board and did that. They had to do that, right? And they followed through on that, and they continue to follow through, right? But in addition to that, it wasn't like that was charity, you know? We are the influencers, so we had that coming. Yeah, and, and and they follow suit in that. But the problem that I had with what we, our reaction to what was going on is that we put that pressure on Gucci and Gucci answered. And we kept quiet with all the other brands. If we took that same energy that we put on Gucci and applied it to all them other brands, think of all of us as going with all the spaces that we would be occupying now. You know, and that and that's the problem. So we have to make sure we continue to do that. But what is our strength? I already told you, in the luxury game, the strength lies in the influence. The influencers that we have are our musicians and our artists on that level, right? They answer to us, you know, and, and the brands answer to them. So when we put pressure, when we put pressure on the influencers, you know, they can open doors for us. It's the influencers that can open the doors for us. You know? So the bottom line is it's always black Twitter. You know? It's always black Twitter. The same way that black Twitter told, say, don't wear Gucci or don't wear this or don't wear anything, you know, uh, we could have took that same energy and say, don't wear them brands that's not going to open up doors. Don't wear, the, wear them brands that's not going to bring money into our community. And that's the problem, you know? The influencers have the power to do that. So here's the bottom line. This is how it works. The influencers get their energy from us and their celebrity from us, right? They take that celebrity and make money by marketing that celebrity to brands. So that's, that's the, we need to manipulate that in a way that the ones who put them in them positions, that they can be spokespeople and make sure that that's what's happening. So, so let me ask you this. You talked about uh, 40 Acres and a Mule uh, when you wrote for that. And that was in 1968 yeah. when you wrote an article about um, the gentrification of Harlem. Yeah. And that, and that was a report based on 1964 Urban Renewal. So talk about that because that was way before it happened. But we see that now, 60 years later. Yeah. Let me tell you what happened, right? 
1964, Constant Baker Motley, I was like a teenager. In 1964, Constant Baker Motley did a, a study. Herb, and that study was entitled Urban Renewal, Negro Removal. So anyway, Constant Baker Motley, she did that study in 1964. I said, wow, if I ever get me some money, man, I'm going to make sure I get me a house in Harlem. So 1968, when I'm turning my, my, myself around, I did a study myself. You know, and then when you look at my in my book and for, uh, and in the newspaper that we radical newspaper was born, I put on the front cover of the newspaper uh, a prototype of what the state building that you see on 125th Street is going to look like, and I made it look like a Trojan horse, you know, to let people know that gentrification was coming. Yeah, and the first thing I did when I got me some money for fifty thousand dollars, I got a building that's worth four million dollars now, you know. But when I bought it, I begged people to stay. But what happened to me, I'm the, sale, I'm the, first, I'm the first generation of the great migration that came from the South. You know? So, and into Harlem. So, what that means was that my parents before me didn't have, you know, none of the generation that came before me because they migrated from the South, they didn't have that kind of money. In fact, my generation, the first migration generation that came from the South is the first generation of people of color to completely across the board exceed the accomplishments of those who came before them. Right? So that was there. But then I had, you know, I was into the gangster world and all the gangsters had money and they was the only ones who had money. Now, by the time I'm a teenager, when I was growing up, we had middle class and upper class blacks living in Harlem. By the time the 60s got there, came across, they, was, they had already moved out because the, the, the walls of segregation came by, so they started moving in them communities outside of Harlem and redlining came down, came down a little so they could get money from the banks. So we lost the complete middle and upper class. So nothing was the gangsters and the poor people was there. So my gangster friends, I said, buy here, buy this property. You know, the rappers who instead just start getting money, they said, man, buy, man, please buy property in Harlem. And they didn't listen, right? And then the gangster guy said, man, you just want us to be here because you're here. They had no vision on where we needed to be. And then all the middle class, now just do a survey. All the middle class blacks that left Harlem and upper class, they moved in the suburbs. Now they ghettos over there. You got to change the mind of the people. You can't change the location and think things going to be better. Even, even from a fashion standpoint, and I, I read this, when you were designing the clothes, right, after the store opens in 1982, the middle class wasn't really rocking with you. They, they didn't oh, understand man. the vision. Let me you tell you something. Can you talk about that? Man, how do I feel like that? Let me tell you something. From here, you got to come to my atelier, to that speaker over there. I got my floor covered with magazines. Covered with magazines. All international magazines. Six or seven of them with me on the front cover. I did not get recognized by black people until two years ago. After 39 years in the business, Ebony recognized me. You know what I'm saying? And me and my friend, when we was kids, man, we used to take Jet and just spin the pages, looking at these pretty black folks in Ebony and spinning the pages, man. But not until two years ago did I get recognized. But you see all these magazines, you know? Because what they realize, you know, a lot of African Americans, you see, they went to Europe to be discovered. Because one thing about them other folks, man, <laughs> they ain't gonna deny talent. They're gonna look at it and, and figure out how to exploit it, you know? So we gotta make it our business to look at things and see 
you know, what is this? They had to say it. You know, I was, I've been in European, the first European magazine I was in 1987. I'm talking about two years ago. This is the first time a black publication. Now, on my floor now, the only black publication, genuinely black publication that I'm on the front cover is Don Diva's Against the Move. But that's, I'm, I'm happy with that, you know? And that's why this is so important. That's why, and I'm happy that everybody is celebratory silence right now because it's so important that we have nights like this when we thought of somebody who we need to sit down and honor, it was you. Right, just because of the history and what you mean to us. So just personally, we wanted to give you your flowers, so that's why we're here tonight. So thank you, personally. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, another question, so rest in peace to the late, great Virgil. Um, who do you think should replace Virgil at Louis Vuitton? Ernest, what's going on? As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. When we're looking for a sound engineer, a graphic designer, or an editor, LinkedIn Jobs is the first place we go. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hiring hashtag frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash EYL. That's linkedin.com slash EYL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Who I think? First, let's talk. Could we talk a minute about Virgil? Yeah, for sure. We talk about Virgil. Okay, so um, let's talk about what Dapper Dan means and what Virgil means. Virgil, man, we needed Virgil so bad, man. We needed Virgil, man. His death really hurt us and I'm gonna have a big conversation about that later on things I don't want to reveal about that Virgil and myself was gonna do but here's what you need to see right I came up a black staircase everything that I've been able to con to to accomplish is because I came up a black staircase I served black people I served them in a black community and every, I never had any contact with the fashion industry, with the structure of it, none at all. So I did everything myself. What Virgil did was amazing as well. Virgil came up a white staircase. Not only was it amazing, it was dangerous. And let me tell you why it was dangerous. Everybody here who's into fashion is familiar with Andre Leon Talley. Rest in peace. You don't get no higher than that. You follow what I'm saying? And you see how miserable they made him in the end? Yeah. You know, so you can go up a white staircase and get kicked down, you know? So I went up a black staircase and some other folks kicked me down and they say, we got you. And I went back up the black staircase. So you can go up and down a black staircase because they're going to be there for you. You know what I'm saying? So what Virgil did was phenomenal. But let's go further. What black Twitter did was phenomenal, right? So black Twitter forced... Gucci to come see me. And it was a good business deal for them. That's primarily why they did it, right? So when Gucci did that, who's their number one rival? Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Right? 
They had to come get, Virgil wasn't doing luxury, you know? They had to come get Virgil. So not only are you responsible for me, you're responsible for Virgil too, because they had to answer. You know what I'm saying? How do you know that? It was so obvious. It's because a collection wasn't even ready. Anybody in fashion know you do not introduce somebody until a, a collection is ready. Yeah. Yes. Everybody in fashion knows that. But that's what y'all did, you know? So if we put, every, we put all that energy together, understand? and he was, he's been deserving of where he is, and he's phenomenal. You know, he's been phenomenal. You know, I mean, he was, God bless that brother, but he was phenomenal. Make some noise for Dapper Dan, ladies and gentlemen. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.